I'd like to direct your attention to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 3. I'm going to ask our good sound man, um, Brother Brave Marks, if he would give me a little bit more monitor up here. Testing, more monitor. Testing, testing. Because I really, I'm really not going to preach tonight. Um, I'm going to be preaching on the bottomless pit on Sunday. Lord willing. So we're going to be talking about some very important things that are happening in our world today. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter number 3. Thank you, Brother Marks. Brother Brave Marks. Verse number 14. The Apostle Paul, of course, writing to his son in the gospel that was the pastor at the thunderous church at Ephesus. Verse number 14 says, For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come to thee shortly. Look at verse 15. But if I tarry long, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Which is the pillar, I'm sorry, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. There's a lot in there. I'm going to do my best to unpack some of it because we have a few things to cover here tonight. But look at verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed up, believed on in the world and received up in to glory. And I want to talk to us about behaving in the house of God. Let's lay our Bibles down and one more time, let's lift our voices and lift our hands and let's honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that is so, so, so obviously in this house tonight. God, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for the word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your people. We pray that the spirit of God would give us understanding. Come on, let's pray. Give us understanding that we can fulfill the absolute perfect will of God. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, we can be trained to do things as Pentecostals. Um. I, even, I don't even like repeating this, but nonetheless, I've heard it said that people can even learn how to speak in tongues. 
not initially, but after you've been living for God a while and you have talked in tongues, that if we're not careful, we will become familiar with these things. And um, all of us are creatures of habit. We're just designed in such a way that all of us were designed to live with a certain amount of predictability so that we can have order in, in our world. It's a very human thing. I really believe that one of the things that is missing in the end time church as a whole is good old fashioned Bible teaching. I thank God for preaching. I thank God for evangelists. I thank God for the fivefold ministry um, and all of the communication, spiritually speaking, that they provide for the body of Christ. However, at the end of the day, the thing that builds a church is not really preaching, it's teaching. Preaching may gather and give people the victory, but teaching is what solidifies and provides people with an opportunity to grow as long as understanding is present. Now, in the book of Ephesians, chapter number one, the apostle Paul wrote, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him would be present. And he also talked about having the eyes of your understanding. Those are the things that really cause people to grow. Um, we just got done having five weeks of a tremendous evangelist, Brother Cornelius Williams, and virtually in every one of his messages, he was preaching for a particular response. And that is, that is well and good because that is very appropriate for an evangelist. But teaching doesn't really need a response like an altar call. What teaching seeks to do is to bring a level of comprehension and understanding um, it's kind of like going to school and all the students say amen. That's very weak for a group this size. But I, I get it. I get it. So I want to teach a little bit tonight about behaving in the house of God. There are some incredible nuggets to be found in this particular passage of Scripture that at first glance do not even appear to be in context. But if I tarry long, verse number 15, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, that's one thing. That is one, one incredible point that is being made by the apostle. But then he begins to define, he qualifies the church, or rather qualifies the house of God, which is the church 
of the living God. The pillar and ground of the truth. Now what's incredible about this passage of scripture is I don't really believe that he is talking about an architectural edifice. I do not believe that he is talking about a building. I don't believe he's talking about drywall and carpet. Um, and thank God for the beautiful building. And thank God for the churches across the land that are represented by structures. But the reality of it is, is the church of the living God are those of you that have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and are sitting on these pews or in these chairs tonight. You are the church of the living God. It is purely denominational and it's purely American denominationalism that has made the definition of the church being the building. And I get all that and you get all that. It's a, it's a meeting place. It's a gathering place. I understand that. But the reality is, according to the word of God, that you are the church of the living God. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you are what is called the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, that's exciting stuff. You need to look in the mirror every single day and say, I am part of the church of the living God and if God be for me, who shall be against me? In fact, you can take it one step further. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. I don't care what their value system is. I don't care what, I, I don't care anything about the world in terms of their value system or anything, any other system in the world. When you get to talking about the supernatural, you're talking about the highest order, the highest level of existence in the human realm is to be in the church of the living God. Go ahead and clap your hands and give him praise. You are not a second-class commodity. You are not just a little nobody. You are not just a zip code. You are not just a social security number. You are part of the body of Christ. The pillar and the ground of truth. That which is vertical and that which is horizontal. That which is part of the structure and that which is part of the foundation of everything that God is doing in the earth surrounds around this group of people sitting here tonight and those that are sitting in other places worshiping and praising God in Jesus' name. So we are not talking about behavior that is necessarily assigned to a building. It is. We'll talk about some things tonight. But it's bigger than that. What does this word behave really mean? 
It means conduct. How you conduct yourself. Which means your conduct should be the same everywhere. Not just when you're in the building. You ought to tell the truth when you're on the job, and you ought to tell the truth in the prayer, prayer room. You ought to be honest in the world, and you ought to be honest in this place. You ought to be pure in the world, and we ought to be pure when we're gathered together. So you can already see that this is talking about more than being in a building. This is talking about being in the church, being a part of the church, that there are responsibilities. And somebody said amen. Now, verse number 16 is one of the very first verses in the entire Bible that I ever learned as a new convert. The reason why is because it verifies, as many other places in the Bible, the oneness of God. But I believe that it means more than that. And to the unsuspecting, untrained eye, verse number 16 looks like it is totally out of context with talking about behavior in the house of God. Notice with me in verse number 15, he says that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness for God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angel, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Now, how can that contextually connect with the context of the scripture that is talking about a group of people being the body of Christ, the church of the living God? Because I believe that what you're seeing in verse number 16 is a cycle. It is cyclical. It began in heaven. It was manifested on earth. God was manifest in the flesh. He was seen of Gentiles. He was preached on in the world, seen of angels, received up into glory. That is the exact plan for the body of Christ. Great is the mystery of the church. For God is manifest in the church. Justified by his spirit. Seen of angels. Preaching unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. And received up into glory in the rapture. Somebody clap your hand and God, give God the praise. The reason why this is critical to us tonight is because it's so easy to assume that I go to a church 
Ladies and gentlemen, you are the church. Clap your hands and give God the praise. No, you are part of the mystery in the world. In fact, the Apostle Paul was the only one that saw the mystery of the church among all the apostles except for John the Revelator. The church is a mystery. And so hold your head up. Square your shoulders straight. Walk with a certain steadiness. Walk with a confidence because your conduct is right. Your testimony is sure. Angels are with you. And at the sound of the trump, we're going to be received up into glory. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm excited about this tonight. I'm excited that I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We are not just a ragtag little group in the World Council of Churches. We're not just a little ragtag group on the other side of the tracks. When you have divine favor, it's this building and that building and up and victory to victory and glory to glory. Clap your hands and lift your voice and give him praise. I rebuke and renounce the small-minded mentality that being in the church of the living God that we're just a little deal on the side and we started small and we're always going to be small. Honey, that's not the God that I serve. The God that I serve is a big God. The God that I serve is a glorious God. The God that I serve is able to bring from the... Oh, clap your hands and give him praise. I rebuke small-mindedness and small thinking. It is the curse of the church, small-mindedness. This is a big deal. It's a big deal to be in the church. But see, you have to have the biblical view and not the denominational view. You have to have the biblical view and not the organizational view. You have to have the biblical view and not the view of what culture says you are. Society says you are. Hollywood says you are. The government says you are. I am what I am because of what the word of God says that I am. I can do what I can do because of what the word of God says I can do. Well, somebody ought to get excited right now. I'm here to blow our little box to smithereens so that you can do the exploits God called you to do. And you can walk on water like God can call you to do. It's a big deal to be in the church. If you understand what the Bible says about being in the church. This word behave in its extrapolated form means conduct, manner of life, and character. It means to act appropriately. And this is my favorite definition right here. To conduct oneself in accordance with the acceptable norms of a group. To conduct oneself in accordance with the acceptable norms of a group. Which means 
that there has to be a degree of initiation. There has to be a degree of education. There has to be an opportunity to understand those norms. In this incredible verse of scripture, in verse number 16, it is talking about the body of Jesus being a house. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 4. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Verse number 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, look at this, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. It's a known fact that we cannot impact our world and we cannot do anything in the spirit until we embrace our identity. That is the most critical aspect after understanding who God is. It is critical that we understand who we are. The fact that you saw in the word of God that you are to repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost means that you are a candidate for the divine nature. That is mind-boggling to me. That we are partakers of the divine nature. We all understand that there are innumerable teachings in the New Testament that talk about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Ghost. And as such, there is certain spiritual hygiene that we have to employ in our lives to not just keep the Holy Ghost, but to grow in the Spirit of God. It is the will of God that after a person speaks in other tongues, that that begins a process and you can see this, it bears out in Scripture where it follows the natural, organic progression of a child. 1 Peter 2 and 2, a child desiring the sincere milk of the Word. And then in Hebrews chapter 5, it talks about being a full age and being able to digest meat. And so there are certain hygienic characteristics and principles that have to be in place in our lives so that we can grow. And you can take one look at me and say, that guy's been growing. When I first got saved many, many years ago, I don't even want to tell you what my waist size was, but it was vastly different than it is tonight. Now, Pastor, why are you getting into all that? Because I'm trying to tell you that I'm blessed. You know, the fat is the Lord's. Come on, somebody, help me out tonight. You are not in a funeral procession tonight. You're, in, you're amongst the church of the living God. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. 
God's got something good for you. God's got something wonderful for you. As I've already mentioned, this pillar and ground of the truth, it represents rules, disciplines, deportment, demeanor, convictions, practices, and understanding. But all of these things collaborate together to bring me to a place where I can continue to pursue after the will of God in my life. Young King Solomon understood this and prayed a specific prayer in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 7. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. Now Solomon is now king over the most powerful nation in the world. His father has vanquished many times over all of their enemies. And he is thrust into a position of leadership. He's got, he's got several million people. He's got an army of arguably five, six, seven hundred thousand men. And he is seeking God so he basically knows how to behave in such an incredible position. And so when you see this uh, that we just read here in verse number seven, that is an idiom. That is idiomatic, which means that is a statement that actually means something much bigger. When he's saying that I don't know how to come in and how to go out, what he's saying is, is I want to know how to walk among God's people. I want to know how to behave among God's people. I want to know how, how should I come in among God's people. I want to know how to, I need judgment. I need understanding. I need wisdom. And then I need to know how to go out in the midst of God's people. And the reason why I think this scripture is critical is because it reveals that his request was right. In fact, because he did not ask for riches and possessions and everything else that goes with position, and he asked for characteristics that he might know how to behave himself in such an exalted position, that God honored his request, and he honored his request by not just giving him wisdom, but by making him the richest man that ever lived. Let's look at verse number eight. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. I want to know how to come in, and I want to know how to go out. I want to be respected, not because of my position, but because of what I really am. I want to have proper conduct. I want to have proper behavior. 
I want to say the right things. I want to think the right things. Are you getting this tonight? This is the God will give you this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that 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 giveth to all men liberally. Why don't we just lift our hands right now and just have a short prayer? Let's pray. Whatever part of this. God, I want to know how to come in. I want to know how to go out. I want to know how to behave myself. I want, I want the proper supernatural deportment. I want, I, I want to behave in such a way that pleases God. I have jotted down just a few things tonight that I want to talk to you about. in the context of behaving in the house of God. Once again, it's how to behave ourselves. If you wanted to be very accurate and very specific, it's how to behave when we are together. But really, it's bigger than that, as I've already mentioned, because it's seen of angels, and we walk among the Gentiles. And so behavior is more than just what takes place here, even though I'm going to make some references here because that's all part of it. And somebody said, praise the Lord. Let's talk about church attendance. Americans are leaving churches at record numbers. And that's okay because they need to come here. Or they need to go to wherever the local apostolic church is that is fulfilling the absolute will of God in their community. That doesn't really bother me. What bothers me as a pastor is the fact that in too many cases, as the culture goes, so certain individuals go. I mean, just the very fact that we're meeting here on a Tuesday night having a Bible study about church attendance proves that we are going against the grain of our culture. In your face, devil. In your face, White House. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter what man says, we ought rather to obey God. That's all I'm saying. Gathering together as God's people is non-negotiable. Now, in the Old Testament, any time that there was an incredible moving of God's people, they all moved together. And very early on, God established that there would be particular gathering places amongst his people. You may remember even under the ministry of Moses that there were certain commands given that all of the nation of Israel was required to gather together, whether it's at Mount Sinai and see thunder and lightning and a demonstration of God's power, or every man standing by his tent, but everybody was there together. In fact, in the nation of Israel, 
when God's people were journeying through the wilderness, whenever they set up camp, and there were periods of time that they set up camps for long periods of time. And when they did, they always put the tabernacle of meeting, the gathering place, would be in the very center. The tabernacle even as crude as it was, was to be the center of the culture of God's people. Somebody said, well, pastor, I've got, I've got other things going on in my life rather than church. Then you don't understand what you are and who you are. Is that all right? If somebody says, you know, I'm just too busy to make it to church tonight, you, you just, you just, you just, you just, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be anything but just a godly leader, but you just really don't even understand who you are and what the church is and what time it is and what the devil's doing and what God's doing. And if, if that's the way you think, you really just don't even understand what this is all about. And I'm concerned that there's too many people that are caught up with being in the church and not enough about being in the body of Christ. Thank God that you're in Cornerstone. We love you. We want you to be here. But ladies and gentlemen, I am not the Savior. There's only one God. There's only one Savior. And this, this church is a vehicle that is moving through the earth. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. And it is an honor and a privilege of a million lifetimes to be in the church of the living God. I am so passionate about this. You might even say I'm on fire about this because it is a reality. As the nation of Israel became solidified, God required the nation of Israel to participate in festivals and feasts. Oh, yeah. The nation of Israel knew how to party. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody said there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. There ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Which is why on the day of Pentecost... Penta means 50. It was at the end. It was the culmination of the 49 days of the Feast of Weeks. And it was a representation of harvest. See, God knew what he was doing. What kind of an understatement is that? God knew what he was doing. Look at your neighbor and say, God's smart. That is such an understatement. It's just it, unbelievable. So on the day of Pentecost... The Holy Ghost is poured out, which is a commemoration of the harvest of the nation of Israel. And there were Jews from all over the known world that were there. If you go to Acts chapter number one, you will see a catalog of different geographical regions the Jews had experienced another diaspora, which means a dispersal, 
And so, but they honored the day of Pentecost, which means they made a pilgrimage. Some of them, it was many, many days. They made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem because it was not cool. How's that for a theological word? It was not cool to miss the feast of Pentecost. It is not cool to miss church. Pastor, I have a job. Now I want to talk about that a little bit. I understand that. But you ought to settle it with your employer right off the bat, okay? Maybe first couple Sundays, okay? I got this gig now. But I made my employer realize that my Sundays are for being part of the house of the living God. Now, somebody might say, you know, pastor, I just can't do that. I need the money. If you'll stand on God's side, God is big enough, strong enough. Some of you don't believe that. I've experienced it myself. If you'll take a stand on God's side and say, I am not going to miss the gathering and the assembling together, which is in the word of God, and God, I need a new job. You just try, God. You just prove. If you've been faithful in your tithes and offerings, you can prove the Lord. Clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Gathering together is non-negotiable. And God is big enough that he will honor people that put him first. How many of you have experienced this tonight, that God, God came through and once again elevated your faith and blew your mind And it prompted you, it prompted you to become stronger in the things of God. Attendance is non-negotiable. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some it. I wonder who he's talking about. I wonder who that sum is. Well, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but I wouldn't want to be in that group. But exhorting one another, what does exhorting mean? Exhorting means to encourage, to build up. I mean, you get up, you go to work, there's all this negativity from everybody that was partying all weekend. There's all this negativity from people that are intoxicated with social media and negative news and on CNN and all this other stuff. And it just, it just, it's just a blather. It's a constant cacophony of negative blather that is where you work. Or if they don't have that issues, they have all these other little head games that human beings play. 
and, and you see it, you recognize it, you don't want to be a part of it, but, but nonetheless, your spirit's there and spirits are attacking you and da 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 When you come to the church of the living God, when we gather together, it's time for you and I to say, you know what, you're going to make it. You know what, you're more powerful than that. You know what, you got more in you than they got in them. You know what, God's for you. God's with you. Clap your hands and give him praise. That's exactly right. Church is a place of encouragement. And we're on a journey somewhere. But exhorting one another so much more the more as you see the day approaching. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the book of Hebrews was written probably in the mid-80s-60s. As you see the day approaching. Man, if that was 2,000 years ago, I wonder, I wonder where we're at in this deal. See, until we understand who we are, and we really have an incredible supernatural grasp, I mean, I mean a real revelation about our identity, it's easy to miss a service. It's easy to miss revival. It's easy to start letting that slip. It's easy to start letting this go and that go. And before you know it, you've lost a lot of ground. But in this day and in this hour, there's no more time to waste. In fact, when this church comes together, it's time to have revival. It's time to be doing the Lord's work. It's not to be going like this and having your little notepad of what you don't like, and I saw this, and I heard this. And you need to get that in the altar and say, God, get my eyes back on you and get my eyes on the fields that are white and ready to harvest. <laughs> Hallelujah. Behaving in the house of God. Gathering together is the absolute will of God. It is the norm for God's people to gather together. We've already talked about how Solomon prayed on how to come in and how to go out. But let's look at Psalm 100 and verse number four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. When is the last time now, you're going to think that I'm making this up, but my wife is sitting right over here so she can tell you. And I don't do this kind of stuff anymore because I'm a pastor. I am not all that in a bag of Fritos. But ladies and gentlemen, when I was a new convert, when I walked across the threshold, I've been known to just break out and take a lap. 
I expect you to look at me like that. But see, you don't understand with the background that I had. I was just waiting. I can't wait to get there tonight. I can't wait to feel good. I can't wait to get around people that love me. I can't wait to get around the positive. I can't wait to feel God's presence. I can't wait to lift my hands. I can't wait to lift my voice. I rebuke the spirit of depression that keeps your hands at your side and keeps your victory in your pocket and keeps you looking for the negative instead of looking for the positive. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet and give God the praise. I'm going to enter into his gates and enter into his courts. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Come on, there's good things in the house of God. There's miracles in the house of God. There's blessing in the house of God. God's got a word for everybody in the house of God. Man, that's the truth. This is proper behavior. It's proper behavior to celebrate the presence and the glory of God. One guy in that whole section. I know, we're tired. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, tiredness is a reality because I feel it sometimes. And some of you work and work and work, and the devil is beating on you, beating on you, beating on you. But I'm going to give you a little secret. If you'll just revolt. Revolt how you feel and live on what you know. Oh, I feel this way. So what? The Bible said I'm going to enter into his courts. It's another day I've been breathing. It's another day I'm saved. It's another day of mercy. It's another day of grace. Come on, somebody. It's another day of blessing. Somebody don't let that man run by himself, please. My, that's loud. I can do a lot of damage to your eardrums. Oh, that's a, that is disrespectful to the house of God. No, it's not. It's joy. Let me tell you what disrespectful to the house of the Lord is. People are shouting and celebrating and enjoying the joy juice that only comes from God. And we sit there like we've been drinking lemonade all week and there's nothing good. There's nothing positive. There's nothing glory. That's a worldview that's from the earth. It is down. It is, it is, it is that wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. But every good gift cometh down from above. Go ahead and lift your voice like a trumpet and let's give him praise right now. You're in the church of the living God, the highest form of the human race ever known to a mortal. All right, go ahead and sit down. I'm supposed to be teaching. Quit doing that to me. Quit making me do that. It's hard for me to suppress. 
what I'm feeling sometimes. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 96 and 8. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name and bring an offering and come into his courts. Before you even leave the house, you should already have your offering or your sacrifice already prepared. That's right. Tithing is 10%. God doesn't need the money. God just wants to know that I need him. Well, Pastor, I just can't make it if we pay our tithes. Honey, you ain't going to make it if you're not paying your tithes. You just, you're deceiving yourself. You've told yourself you're okay and you're not okay. You listen to a God-called preacher. You are not right with God. God called them robbers. And that might be the reason why everything's just not always disconnected and discombobulated. Why don't you just, did not he say in that same passage of scripture, prove me. God doesn't say that very often, but he said it in this context. He said, I know you're thinking you can't give the money, but prove me, prove me. I'm giving you an opportunity to prove me. I'm giving you an opportunity to see a demonstration of who I am. It's disingenuous. To sit in an apostolic, growing, thriving church and then act like God's not worthy. And it is an absolute monument to human unbelief to look at God and say, I cannot live if I obey the word. I'm about ready to give that child this microphone. God wants to use us as a a human frame in which he can display his blessing, his glory, and his favor in the earth. That's how anybody's going to, hey, man, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? Eh, I don't know. I saw you cussing last week and borrowed a cigarette from some guy six months ago and told a lie to the boss because you da-da-da-da. But when you come on the job on Monday and say, you know, God healed my wife. Remember I was telling you about that problem? Yeah, yeah, I remember it. Well, God healed my wife already. He's looking in this direction. You know what? God gave us the victory and God came through and I went home after sacrificing and and obeying the word of God and there was something waiting for me in my mailbox and all of a sudden your boss and everybody on the job, it's not just, hey, go to church and let's clap our hands and bang a ukulele. It's like, hey, this God does something. This God moves. This God does miracles. This God blesses people. This God moves in the lives of people. Clap your hands and give God the praise. The demonstration of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Behaving in the house of God. Church attendance is a big deal.
Church begins in the prayer room, ladies and gentlemen. Now, things are different right now. We had a nice prayer room across the street. We've got a nice one back here, but it's, it's got its limitations. We're working on getting the prayer room for the congregation. It just takes time and it takes money to do this stuff, but we're working on it right now. But you don't just walk off the street and come straight into the presence of God and expect to be blessed. No, there has to be a preparation. And so what the prayer room does is it gets the world off me. It gets my incorrect thinking adjusted and gets the carnality off me and gets the stench of the world off me and gets, gets, my, gets my amen where it needs to be and gets my hands where they need to be so that I can come in and now I can praise him in the congregation of the righteous. Oftentimes, churches that don't have revival, I mean real revival, I mean, I mean real revival, is because they don't understand how this works. And the poor pastor is struggling for something to break. And what he's really doing is he's wrestling with flesh. The prayer room is where we deal with our flesh. Are you all with me out there? Somebody smile. Just let me know you're still, there you go. When you go to the prayer room, you're adjusting your heart, your mind, and your spirit to now move into the next dimension, which is praise. And now I can lift holy hands. But see, if it doesn't break in the prayer room, then you're bringing all that weight, that centrifugal force of carnality is now in the, in the praise service. And if it doesn't break in the praise service, then that poor preacher, that poor pastor is going to have to break through the accumulation of everything through the preaching. And sometimes it happens that way. But what would happen if we all got on the same page and realized we're operating as a team today? There's people in this building that need God and we need to operate together. So we're going to get in one mind and one accord like they did in a prayer meeting on the upper room. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they came out speaking in tongues and they're demonstrating the power of God and after the man of God preached there were 3,000 that were baptized clap your hands and give him praise you can't improve on perfection but you gotta know what's going on yeah. Yeah. this is proper behavior in the house is to go to the prayer room so that when the music starts, the praises go up. And now we're all in one mind and one accord. And there's an ebb and a flow and a synchronicity between the pulpit and the pew. And it creates a vortex when you get a congregation that's on fire with a pulpit. 
It'll cast out devils. It'll, it starts out preaching but ends up in the prophetical. And all of a sudden we're, f- we're flying in the spirit and people are healed and people are saved and people are baptized because the church is one. Lift your hands and give God the praise. Proper behavior in the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer, praise, and preaching. I've already talked about biblical giving. When we give, we should not give with a grumble. I haven't seen this. But I'm just saying because somebody might listen to this on SoundCloud and get convicted. When you give, you should be smiling. Or at least, you know, be thankful for the opportunity to give. Be excited that you can give. Thank God I can give. Praise God. When we get to church, we should be engaged, not distracted. This church does not have that problem, but it's in my notes, so I need to talk about it. When the preacher says, lift your hands, we should lift our hands. When the pastor or the preacher says, somebody shout, we shouldn't wait for some new convert that feel, that acting like he just got electrocuted. Don't ever lose your shout. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like obeying the pastor. It's called submission. Submission is not when you agree. That's called agreement. Submission is not because you agree with me. Submission is because you're living for God and you understand God's order of spiritual authority. You should not expect to be blessed if you're not submitted. If you go to the job tomorrow and the boss says, well, you're going with a couple other guys here. I ain't going. What do you think you're going to do? Well, I'm going to eat peanuts in the lunchroom. I'll get over there when I feel like it. No, you won't. You're fired. God's not going to fire you. God just may chastise you. Well, we don't believe in discipline. God believes in discipline. Some of the stuff you're going through, you're trying to blame it on the devil. God said, uh 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 uh. I'm trying to make an adjustment so you can be a partaker of my holiness. Let's go ahead and clap our hands and give God the praise. When God chastises it, it's discipline and instruction so that we can go higher in God. We can become more blessed in God. Hallelujah. There is something for everyone in every service. I remember as an evangelist, Brother Williams and I were talking about this briefly the other day. I remember as an evangelist, knowing that I heard from God, but just wanted some validation, just just a sign, anything. And I'll tell you, 
there is something for a church service. If you're really hungry for God, you, you can get something out of Brother David Gazande leading service. There's something in there for you. He's a great service leader, one of the best I've ever seen, actually. We're blessed to have him. Yes. 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 You have to have a reference point for mediocrity before you can appreciate excellence. Yes. Yes, and if you've never experienced mediocrity, you won't understand what I'm saying. In fact, you'll try to shine up mediocrity and think that was excellence, and it really wasn't. It was just people being average and doing the best they can. But we're here today, we're here tonight saying, no, you can do more. God's got more for you. God's got more blessing. God's got more of that. God's got another blessing. God's got more. God's got another job. God's got this. God's got that. Someone clap your hands and give God the praise. I want everything God's got for me. If you feel that way, shout and give God the praise. You know, there's, it's, 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 it's even gotten so bad that there are some people that shop apostolic churches. And it has nothing to do with how blessed I'm going to get. It has everything to do with what we're allowed to do in the flesh. Yeah, I'm, I'm so-and-so just calling about your church. This really happened. Do you guys, do you guys watch television in your church? Nope. Do you guys, does your pastor preach against Hollywood and worldly entertainment? Yup. Couple other questions. Thanks. Click. He didn't give me a chance to say, we believe in joy and glory and victory and anointing and power and celebration. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I didn't get an opportunity to talk about the good stuff. Just having a relationship with God. No, no. Ponder that for a minute. A relationship where he knows my name. It still takes my breath away. And he loves me. He wants me. If that's not worth everything... This church won't make you happy. But if you're looking for somewhere to sit on the fence where we can adjust the price tag, <laughs> I apologize for being so real, but I've been around too long to not be real. Cornerstone has been blessed and has as a recipient of the divine favor of God because we want everything. Squeezing everything I can like a wet rag. Everything I can. <laughs> because I fell in love with him many, many moons ago. Let's lift our hands. And let's praise the God that loves you and loves me. He knows your name. 
knows the way that you take. He's trying to route you into something where you can be what he wants you to be and not what you want to be. There's more to be said about that, but I don't have time. May I make a suggestion here as the pastor? An anointed nod would help me. May I suggest that we feed our children before coming to church? And all the parents said amen. And all the nursery workers said praise the Lord. May I suggest that we feed our children before coming to church because the house of God is no place to be feeding your children. Now, in our, in our new nursery, we do have an area that is dedicated to nursing mothers. So technically, yes, you can feed your infant as long as they're between the ages of three and zero. But just since we've been in this building, we've found cracker dust, cookie crumbs. I hate to go on this list because somebody in the back is going to go, dude, I'm hungry. I wish pastor hadn't said anything about that. Dude, I'm hungry. We have found cracker dust. Cracker fragments. Microscopic amoeba of cracker that has human fingerprints on it. Cookies. Cookie dust. Cookie fragments. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the house of God, not a ballpark. No, 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 no. We're not, able, we're not going to compromise on this. We're not going to compromise on this. See, this is proper behavior. Because what's going to happen when that little darling of yours is 15 and 16, they're saying, I'll go where I want. And I'll hang out with who I want to hang out. And I got a smartphone, and I'll look at what I want to look. But when you start right here and right now, and you go, no, this is God's house. The power of the living God is here. God was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels, preached on into the Gentile. Come on, mom and dad. Don't expect the church to raise your children. You raise your children. What else have we found in the carpet? Gummy bears. Sweet, sparkle, glittery stuff. I don't even know what they call it. If it's edible by a child, we have found it in this church, please. We are the church of the living God, and this is not a place to feed your child. Well, I, I want my children to be happy. 
you want your children to be disciplined. And it starts in the house of God. It's in the Bible. Clap your hands and give him praise. That thou knowest how to behave in the house of God. Uh, some of our pew material has been marked on with markers, crayons, ink pens. Behavior begins in the house of God. Now, I'm not bragging by any stretch because I was lacking a lot as a parent. I'm very remorseful over some things now, but there's some things you just can't change. But I will tell you this. I was a full-time evangelist for three years. My kids were raised in church, and they didn't move from those chairs. My beautiful, gorgeous wife did a phenomenal job with those kids. When we started evangelizing, my son was one year old. Ari wasn't even born. But when we landed here, Zach was three and my daughter was one, and they were, they were raised to be like angels on those chairs. I'm not saying my wife didn't have to take them out every once in a while. But when she brought them in, there was an attitude adjustment. Oh, well, we don't believe in doing that to our kids. Then you're not like God. Because whom the Lord loveth, he what? You don't even know your Bible. It means beaten with rods. Well, that's from the Victorian age. It's not for the 21st century. <clears throat> it's in the Bible. I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm not... You're going to figure all that out. As soon as your son's old enough to look at you and say, I ain't getting a haircut, you're going to go, you know what? Time for a showdown. It's not time for suggestions. It's not time for timeout. It's not time for, please, honey, I need you to do what I'm asking you to do. No, you've got a, you've got a growing mass of humanity that never learned discipline and never learned authority and never learned, and if we can't straighten them out and then the lawyer can't get them straightened out and the police can't get them straightened out and the penitentiary can't get them straightened out. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. There's probably not another church within a mile talking about this stuff. We're going to talk about it. We've got people in this church right about here. Don't let their good looks fool you. They raised three strapping boys that are all in the church today. And I guarantee you, they learned early on that when we're in the house of God, there's going to be some respect. Am I right about that? Well, you know, I've been talking to this doctor. Jesus? Nope. He's got his own YouTube channel. I'm 
I'm being humorous, but I'm, as, I'm in the Holy Ghost like wild Bill Cole used to be in the Holy Ghost. But the Billy Cole. Your children need to understand. They'll stay saved. They'll learn to honor this. They'll learn to love this. They'll learn to respect this. They'll learn to understand this. They'll learn to worship God. They'll learn to run the aisles. They'll learn to pray in the altar. They'll learn the value of a baptism. They'll learn the value of somebody being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking another tongue. <laughs> Behaving in the house of God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when I'm, I'm saying this tonight. It might be another, might be another couple of years before I get on this material. I, outside of just seeing cookie dust and, you know, cheese its and we're all, we're already finding markers and other things. Please, keep those out of the, out of this arena. I can't think of any other problems. It's all good. It's all good. Once the children are between the ages of three and five, they should learn how to sit still and behave themselves in the house of God. Well, I don't want church to be negative for my children. It's only going to be negative if you tell them it's negative. It's an honor to be here. Do you know how many people have already gone on and do eternity that would say, cut every body part off. Just, just, just keep me alive. But just give me one more opportunity to be in the house of God. Do you know if we were to reach into eternity and pull out somebody with smoke on their garments, they'd say those people have no idea how valuable it is to be in the house of God. Let's lift our hands and let's pray. God, we love you tonight. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into this marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus, for wonderful, godly, spirit-filled, awesome people that want to do the will of God. If you have small children let's say from one to three, then you already should be sitting in the back so that if you have to take your child out, it's not a distraction. Behaving in the house of God. I have another suggestion. I'm almost done. Is it okay if I give it to you? Can the big people use the bathroom before church starts? Now, if you're visiting with us tonight, I promise you it's not like this all the time. We are just trying to take care of a few things so we can get on the same page here. You're probably thinking, man, this is, this is worse than the job I go to. Listen. When the Holy Ghost gets moving, it doesn't take much to break somebody's train of thought.
And I know that there's some situations where, you know, pastor, I just need you to rest them. Okay, well, be as discreet as possible. But it's not like, hey, how you doing? Are you guys going after church? Yeah, over there? No, let's not go there. We were there last week. Yeah, I'll get you then. Yeah, I'll talk to you, Bo. Yeah, you. You guys going? Yeah, I thought you had to use the bathroom. Get out of there. If you got to use the bathroom, get up and go to the bathroom. And then go back and don't make a big deal about it. Hey, how y'all doing? Yeah. Praise God. Love you guys. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No, sit down. Be quiet. Get back in the Holy Ghost. Pray. Do something. This church is going to have revival that is going to blow your mind. Now, you're probably thinking, you know, Pastor, we always hear that. Have I been right? If you would have been here 27 years ago, you'd see that I was right. I know right now we got a lot of empty space in these pews, and that's exactly the way it needs to be. We need a lot of space for a lot of the people that are going to come into this thing. This was God's idea. This was not my idea. We were already in a wonderful building across the street. This was God's idea. But we're talking about some things tonight so that when other people come in, they can say, man, that church is well-behaved. Children are well-behaved. The adults are well-behaved. Do you know how many compliments this church got from people that were visiting here for Summit? We we. Some, I don't want to get too far down this road, but people that are not even from this area that were here, they said, Brother Mayo, I want to give your church a compliment. Everything, everything was first class. Had a servant mentality. I'm passing that on to you. A church that knows how to behave is a church that can be trusted by God. All right, I want to look at the security cameras and find out who is sitting there. Let's stand. If you're sitting next to somebody that is manufactured cracker dust and Oreo fillings. All right, let's lift our hands and give God the praise. Great God, great group of people. Great plan that God has for us all. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we love you, we praise you, thank you for allowing us to be part of your plan in the earth. A plan that has destiny, a plan that has promises, a plan that has power, a plan that has fulfillment and personal significance. God, I pray that you open up the windows of heaven and pour out on each person a blessing, a blessing, a blessing. We ask it in Jesus' name.